I would like to say good morning to everyone. My name is Felicia Hamilton and I will be your moderator for this session. Welcome to another lecture given by members of the Southfield, Michigan class. This is a school and not a church. Neither are we affiliated with any religious organization. This school is a nonprofit, non-denominational, religious and scientific research organization dedicated to showing proof of the existence of Yahweh our Elohim and the operation of his eternal purpose, pattern and plan operating throughout eternity to this present day. This school was established as a result of a divine vision and revelation given to our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley in the state of Ohio in the year 1931. We hold classes in the United States, Canada, and certain other foreign countries. The Southfield, Michigan class was established in 1997. The Dean of the Southfield, Michigan class is Dr. Marvin Lewis. The President is Dr. Edward Ewell. And the Vice President is Dr. Ronald Atkins. In this school, we use the true, correct, and original name and title of the Father, the Word or Son, and the Holy Spirit, which are contained in the original Hebrew text. The true name of the Heavenly Father is Yahweh. It has been improperly substituted by Lord. The true title of the Word or Son is Elohim. It has been improperly substituted by God. The name of the Holy Spirit manifested in or out of a physical body is Yahshua. It has been erroneously substituted by Jesus Christ. Lord and God are titles and not names. The Apostle Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, tells us in 1 Corinthians 8 and 5 that there are Lord's many and God's many, but we now know that each Lord must have a name and each God must have a name also. Elohim is a title but unlike Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title. That means Elohim is the title our creator chose for himself. Jesus is a name, but it is an erroneous name. A minor investigation on your part in a good dictionary or encyclopedia would prove that neither the Greek language, the Hebrew language, nor the Latin language had any characters or letters in their alphabet that would produce the sound that is made by this letter J. Neither was there a letter J in the English language until some 1400 years after the Messiah's death. Therefore, such names as Jesus and Jehovah are impossible renderings of the true and original name of our Father and His Son. Christ is a title, just like Lord and God. Yahweh is pure spirit, and in this state, he is incomprehensible and inscrutable. He is the ultimate source, substance, limits, and bounds of everything. We have Yahweh in his pure spirit state symbolized on this chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. He merely chose a cloud to symbolize himself because a cloud has no particular or descriptive shape and form. 
we have drawn this cloud all around the edges of this chart to show you that everything on the chart is within the cloud. In like manner, everything in the universe abides within the pure spirit state of Yahweh. Yahweh, knowing that man could not perceive of him in this pure spirit state, took on shape and took on form right within himself as Elohim. This is the word or son, a super incorporeal being, that is, having the shape and form of a man, but without flesh and blood. This form can only be seen in divine visions and understood in divine revelation. Later on, this self-same spirit manifested himself in a physical body and walked the earth plane as Yahshua the Messiah, whom the world calls Jesus Christ. Now there is only one name given into salvation and we must know that name. So the simple yet intelligent question we should ask ourselves is, what was the name of the savior during the time he walked the earth plane? A further understanding of this name and title may be had by reading the preface of the Holy Name Bible. Also in this school, we teach by the divine pattern of the universe. It is called the divine pattern because it is Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh led the children of Israel out of Egypt, he called Moses atop Mount Sinai and showed him the tabernacle pattern in a vision. Yahweh instructed Moses to build one exactly like it in the wilderness of Sinai. The pattern consists of a most holy place, a holy place, and a court roundabout. These three compartments make up the one tabernacle pattern. In this school, we show proof that everything in the universe is made and operates according to the structure and the function of this threefold tabernacle pattern and that absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. The primary aims and constitutional objectives are as follows. First, to help you find and know Yahweh our Elohim as he really is and actually exists. Second, to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity in Yahshua the Messiah without distinction of race or nationality, creed, sex, caste, or color. Third, to investigate the unexplained spirit law or so-called law of nature and the powers latent in man. Fourth, to encourage and promote the study of the scriptures, comparative religions, psychology, philosophy, and modern practical and occult science. Fifth, to extirpate current superstitions, skepticisms, and ignorance. Sixth, to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensations and ages. Seventh, to discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the devil, the dragon, or Satan and his demons operating the mystery of iniquity on earth 
through the dispensations of time. Eighth, to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith, which was once delivered unto the sons or children of Yahweh. Ninth, to make known that Yahweh from the beginning ordained, there is no other name given among men whereby man can be saved, saving the name of Yahshua the Messiah. And 10th, to inherit eternal life now in the kingdom of Yahshua the Messiah with the hope of immortal glorification in the new earth state. Our watchword is peace and our slogan is speak the truth. At this time, we would like to have the class dedicated in prayer by our Dean, Dr. Marvin Lewis, followed by scripture, which will be 2 Timothy, the first chapter read by Dr. Lauren Lewis. Excuse me, Dr. Lewis is not online at this time. Okay, can you do our prayer, Dr. Sharon Lewis? Yes, may we all bow our hearts and minds in a moment of prayer. And once again, give thanks to our Heavenly Father, Yahweh, through his son, Yahshua the Messiah, to, uh, for allowing us to continue on in this present time yet still learning of his mercy and his divine purpose and plan given unto each of us. We thank Yahweh for the understanding that he's given us. We thank him for keeping us steadfast in these troubled times. We thank Yahweh for his undying mercy and his love that he's given towards us all. Heavenly Father, Yahweh, keep us firm, keep us steady. We thank you for allowing this, to have just having the opportunity to be able to come together and to hear your word, to be able to have it rehearsed in our hearing that you are real and that your mercy endureth forever. We're just so thankful for having an understanding and knowledge of you and having the name of Yahshua in our hearts and in our minds. We thank you for keeping your name in us. You have not removed that. We thank you, Father, for all these things, all these blessings and more in your dear son's name, Yahshua the Messiah. Let us all say hallelujah. 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 I'd like to say good morning to the class. Good morning. And I'll be reading out of the Holy Name Bible, containing the Holy Name version of the Old and New Testament, critically compared with ancient authorities and various manuscripts, revised by the late A.B. Trainer and, and Scripture Research Association, and reprinted by Yahshua Promotion. At 2 Timothy, the first chapter, Saul, an apostle of Yahshua the Messiah by the will of Yahweh, according to the promise of life which is in Yahshua the Messiah, to Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from Yahweh the Father and Yahshua the Messiah, our Savior. 
I thank Yahweh whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day greatly desiring to see thee being mindful of thy tears that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice and I am persuaded that in thee also. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of Yahweh, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For Yahweh hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Savior, nor of me, his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel, according to the power of Yahweh, who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Yahshua the Messiah before the world began. But it's now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Yahshua the Messiah who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the nations. For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed for I know whom I have believed and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Hold fast the form of sound words, which thou hast heard of me, in faith and love, which is in Yahshua the Messiah. That good thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Spirit, which dwelleth in us. This thou knowest, that all they which are in Asia be turned away from me, of whom are Phagilius and Hermogenes, I'm sorry, Hermogenes. Yahweh give mercy unto the house of once for us, for he is oft refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. But when he was in Rome, he sought me out very diligently and found me. Yahweh grant unto him that he may find mercy in that day. And in how many things he ministered unto me at Ephesus, thou knowest very well. That is 2 Timothy, the first chapter. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you very much, Dr. Sharon Lewis for the prayer and Dr. Lauren Lewis for the scripture. We want to once again say welcome to everyone and thank you once again for joining our class. We thank Yahshua for giving us another um, ability or another opportunity to assemble and to preach this great gospel. Before we begin, a couple of housekeeping items. Please remember to keep your microphones muted and your cameras turned off. Today, we'd like to call on our first speaker from New Orleans, Dr. Eric Argon. Dr. Argon? I'm sorry, Derek. Why did I say Eric? Derek. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, mm -hmm. Ms. Felicia. Good morning, class. Good morning. Uh, wow. It's a, lot, it's a lot of things that he's been putting on my mind, but the, 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 the thing that most is he been showing me 144 
And I don't know quite what that means, but I, um, I'm hoping somebody will um, pick up on that and um, bring that out. If, if it, even if it's not today, but just sometime in the future, because I just think it's vital. But um, yes, this school is a result of a divine vision and revelation that was given to our founder, Dr. Henry C. Clifford, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley in the year 1931. And he was commissioned to spread the thing that he was taught or was told or shown in the vision. And um, he went about to do that. So in the school, the school is set up to help individuals, people who don't know God in reality to become um, acquainted to the point where you get to truly know your creator in reality and in truth and in spirit. Can we get John um, to worship him in spirit and in truth? Because that's the only, that's it. Yahshua is the only salvation that Yahweh provided. So it's imperative that you know your creator in a reality and truth because our souls is dependent on that. That's John 4 and 24. Yes. Yahweh is spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now that, that, that's powerful in itself right there because with the world, that's why these, oh, thank you. Thank you, I just, I gotta thank him right now because it is school, the school that he set up in these classes, they're set up for people to come into a knowledge of your creator, not no imagination, not what I think. Uh, read that scripture again. For Yahweh is spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, how are we going to do that? How are we going to do that? It's like if you aren't given uh, 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 a, a vision <laughs> and revelation, uh, you'll be completely lost in trying to worship God. We'll be trying to worship him um, according to uh, maybe the neighbor or maybe how uh, my grandmother worshiped him. Or maybe how, um, you, know, you see where I'm going at with it? You will follow some other man in thinking that'll be your salvation. But like I said, is there's no, what, where's the scripture about salvation? There's no other name, salvation, because I was saying about Yahweh is salvation. That's what Yahshua means. So the one they call Jesus Christ, his real name is really Yahshua. And that could be proven by saying that Yahshua, Shua, means salvation in Hebrew. So salvation, is, it is, it, there's no other name that you could be saved in. It's just that simple. That is Acts 4 and 12. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. See, must, they, they didn't say that you can be saved or it's a probability that you might be saved. No, it's like definitely, sure. Right. You, you right. want to be, you want to be sure about the creator. You want to be sure about your salvation. <laughs> Truly, 
because if it's predicated on imagination, when it comes down to it, it's just almost like when it's time uh, to pay a bill. I just try to, I'm trying to come up with an example. When it's time to pay a bill, I could think I have the money in my bank account. I can imagine I have the money in my, but if I don't really have the money in my bank account, how am I gonna pay this bill? So my whole point is saying that it, it got fake to do with it too, but that's another subject. But we're talking about something that's concrete. That's what you can stand on. You can't stand on nothing that's that's fabricated off of uh, lies and deception and deceit. You see, when we first even came into the world, we had no idea about the creator unless it was told to us by our uh parents or uh siblings or someone before us that was born before us to tell us something about god we had a question so it's like what you ran into and i know i'm just gonna speak for myself i was raised up in a baptist family so if i had any questions i would go to my grandmother because my grandmother is the one that basically raised me so she would i would just get her wisdom of what she was taught about god so i used to pray all the time at night time when it's time to she had me to pray and everything. So I'm saying all that just to say that by being Baptist, it's still, Yahweh put a question on my mind. I'm Baptist. Now, there's Catholics, there's Jehovah Witness, there's uh, Muslims, there's, uh, uh, um, it's just different faiths of different people, what they believe in. But the question he put on my mind is, at the end, when we all die, how are we going to be justified in not knowing him? If, if I just say that the Baptist is right, like I'm ra raised a Baptist, so automatically the Baptist got to be right. But that's not necessarily true. Think about that for a second. It's, it can't be true because his, he came to save all sinners. So it don't matter if you are a Baptist, you are a Catholic, or a Muslim, all of it is sin unto him and not knowing him in reality. That's the sin. Not knowing him. So, so it's like my whole purpose is that these classes are set up so we can become knowledgeable. And in that knowledge is power. Power in his name. If it's salvation in his name, it's also power in his name. Yahweh is pure spirit. And in, in, in pure spirit, he's made up, they got these attributes that... The creator's made up. The spirit, though, is all spirit. So he's made up of what? Love. I can't see that. <laughs> Boy, my eyes is bad. He's made of love. Hold on. I know this already in my mind. Understanding, knowledge, wisdom, justice, intelligence. They're all right here. Can, what they, what, they're all right here. It's just hard for me to Oh, now I see them. Thank you, Father. I can see them. It's wisdom, knowledge, intelligence, love, beauty, justice, foundation, power, and strength. Yahweh is not, he don't possess power. He is the totality of power. We as mortal beings, we may possess power, but it's not the power of our own doing. It's, 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 it's a spirit. 
So let's get back to Yahweh talking about Yahweh in his spirit form. He cannot be really understood in this particular state. So what, what he does is he breaks himself down as Yahweh Elohim, which is the word or son. This word came to Jeremiah, Isaiah, and, and um, um, Obadiah, Moses, all of them, really, this word. And came to all of in visions that can only be seen in divine visions. Now that's Yahweh Elohim taking on a shape and form to some kind of uh, uh, shape to where you can identifiable shape, but not seen by the naked eye. Only seen in divine visions and understood in divine revelations. But not stopping there, coming all the way down and manifested in a physical body and working walking the earth plane as Joshua who the world called Joshua in the Old Testament and yeah, Jesus. Oh man, what did you do? I know, go back. And calling and saying Jesus in, as the Messiah who died on the cross, but that's not true. And you can prove it by the names. First, you gotta go by the name. Say Yahweh in pure spirit, Yahweh is both masculine and feminine within himself so when he take on shape and form as Yahweh Elohim, this is how the creation is formed from being masculine and feminine within himself. He doesn't need no other partner because there's no L besides him. He's the only one true L that created the whole creation. By the, he is the pattern. The tabernacle, the tabernacle um, um, building that was erected in the wilderness uh, during the time of Moses and the children of um, Egypt, Exodus out of Egypt. And they went into the wilderness and, and Moses was called up in a mountain and instructed to um, build a tabernacle. Well, this tabernacle uh, basically is the pattern to really to all things. I'm talking about Yahweh Elohim. He was shown Yahweh Elohim. Well, let me slow down going too fast. <laughs> I'm just excited because this class is teaching, it's power and it's teaching. And don't just take my word for it. Look these things up. Look at and see if these things are true. Because that's what the founder, Dr. Kinley, um, was saying. Don't just take our word for it or anybody's word for anything. Th this is a research organization. So we go look these things up to see if they're true. So what what happens when you go look up these things and do your research, you'll find out these things are true as far as uh, academically why uh, in books and encyclopedias and dictionaries, these things are in the dictionary. So the reason why I'm saying it is because is the truths, not the truths, it's only one truth, but it's true to many things. So it's true to this, it's true to that, it's true to this. So the, the truth to the creator and knowing the truth and truth and in spirit, to worship him in truth and spirit, you got to first start with the truth. And this is what my point is, is saying that Yahweh in pure spirit takes on shape and form as Yahweh Elohim and manifests it in a physical body and walk the earth plane. Now we're going to try to, I'm going to try to see if I can prove that in some kind of form or fashion. We're going to take Adam's. Atoms. What are atoms made of? A, 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 a neutron, electron, 
no, proton. Proton, neutron, and electron. Three parts of an atom, but yet, can we look up the word atom? So don't just take my word for it, just look it up and see what atoms mean or what atom mean. Yes, that is, um, oh, wait a minute, let me display it on my screen. This is Adam from dictionary.com online. All right, uh, Adam, noun, physics, the smallest component of an element having the chemical properties of the element consisting of a nucleus containing combinations of neutrons and protons and one or more electrons bound to the nucleus by electrical attraction. The number of protons determines the identity of the element. B, okay. an atom. Okay, hold on. Wait. Okay, the reason why I'm saying that, I, I'm going to keep it kind of simple. And I just basically wanted to bring out the fact that what the atom consists of, it's a, um, proton, a proton, neutron, and electron. So, and the reason why that is that way is because Yahweh is the father. The word of son is Elohim. And Yahshua the Messiah is the Holy Spirit manifested in or out of a physical body. So that's the point I'm trying to make. It's just the, the consistency of the pattern in all things and how you see, when you see the consistency and how these everything is made into a one, two, three, but yet one, one pattern or one unit, it kind of gives you confidence in the thing that we, we're talking about, about believing in God. How you gonna believe in God? Just believe in God with no proof. You gotta have proof. So the atoms, the reason I was getting atoms is like cells and atoms, all that stuff is the basic building blocks of all things that's, that's made, that's manifest, that you see. And I'm trying to show you that all things are made according to this one, two, three pattern. Everything made like that. Past, present, future. Uh, uh, um, breakfast, lunch, dinner. Uh, 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 what it is? Uh, anything, any, everything is made. The egg, the egg is the yolk, the white, and the shell. Uh, everything. Your finger is the the upper. I mean, the you got the the tip, the middle part, and the bottom part that connect to your hand. One, two. You, you see the lines right there. It's like the tabernacle. If you, oh man. It just, it just the evidence, the proof. You are the proof that God exists. So he put the proof in you and on you. When you look in the mirror, from your eyes to your nose, it's the shape of a Y. Your nose spread, and then they got that little piece that go across your nose, and you can't see it, but it's on the inside. It's like cottage, cottage that go across to make the A. And then when you get to the mouth, the slit of the mouth and then the two lines, the, li <laughs> the lines on the side, that make up the Y. We come in our father's name. Yeah, that's the masculine portion of his name. We all come in our father's name. 
So when these things in, in the Bible that are written in the Bible, they're inspired by the Holy Spirit himself, explaining about himself. To, because in showing the unity or showing the, uh, what's the word I'm trying to use? To show how these things connect. They're all related. They're related because he's the pattern to all these things. And once you find out about these things and the and how they made, and it shows forth, it's it's the shadow of the thing. Can we get Romans one nineteen and twenty to take the physical things to understand something about the the spiritual things? Because we gotta worship God in truth and in spirit. But before we even get there, we gotta know something about the physical first. That's Romans one and nineteen. Because that which may be known of Yahweh is manifest in them, for Yahweh have shown it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and supernal nature, so that they are without excuse. Can I get John, um, John the first chapter? No, um... Um, the first verse. That's John 1 and 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with Yahweh, and the word was Yahweh. The same was in the beginning with Yahweh. All things were... Go ahead. Yes, ma'am. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. See, now, now that's why we're talking about the pattern. He's the pattern to all things that are made. That's nothing that could be made, being Yahweh is the source, spirit. That's nothing that's made that doesn't come from the source. That is Yahweh, which is spirit. You see, now, now you're getting closer to worshiping in spirit and in truth by a knowledge to know something for a surety. That's going to be your, to hold you down, to, to keep you steady when all things are shaking around you. That's when you're going to have the peace within yourself and having confidence in Yahshua that could keep you. Because once you find out that he's really real, that was said, that was said too. When you find out that he's really real, the reality, now you're dealing with the reality of things and not the, the imagination, not the uh, superstitious uh, believing no, you actually have something concrete to stand on. And, and this is another reason why these classes are set up. It's so we can become able ministers to preach and teach the gospel to others. And I was learning about that too, about how he wants us to have that love. Oh man, it's in, um, uh, somebody help me out with this. It's in, what's the name of the chapter? When he talk about nothing but love, how we got to be, how we should be in these times right now, because it's all psychological. I tell you no lies, really psychological, because I was telling you when I first started out, when I started out talking, I was telling you how my mindset was prior to not knowing the truth. And I operated under that understanding of not knowing him. So I was doing the things not contrary to pleasing him in spirit and truth. I gave you, a, we got a scripture? Oh, no, uh, no, I ain't got a scripture right there. Drop, can you drop down to, I think that's the 14th verse? 
no, hold up, hold up. I'm going, I'm, I'm, I got to see where I'm at. I see where I'm at right now. But anyway, I want to talk about the, um, what that is, man. I got to get it. I got to open my book because I'm trying to guess and I don't want guess. That's my Did whole want, point. What I just was, go ahead. Did you want the 14 verse in John? Is that what you wanted? Hold that from me, but I still won't get, yeah, you can read that. You can read that. Yeah, please read that. And then we got to go to the other chap, I mean, the other uh, book. That's John 1 and 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. Yeah, you heard, hey, truth, you say truth? Yes. <laughs> yes, that's the point. So we don't want to have God way up in the sky, a sky God. No, we actually want him to be in our hearts and in our mind. And I got to get this other chapter. It's back here. I don't know if it's Hebrew. No, it's Eph uh, Ephesians. I was about to say Ephesus. Oh. <laughs> Do you have the verse, Ephesians? I'm, 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 I don't know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, uh, all right. All right. I guess to start at the first six and one, but I think I want some before that. Dear children. Oh, no, no. Start at, start. Can you start at um, five and one? That's Ephesians five and one. Be ye therefore followers of Elohim as dear, dear children, and walk in love as the Messiah also have loved us and have given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to Yahweh for a sweet smelling savior. But fornication and all uncleanness or covenantness, let it not be once named among you as becometh sons, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know that no fornicator, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater have any inheritance in the kingdom of the Messiah and of Yahweh. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of Yahweh upon the sons of disobedience. Yes. So what I what he showed me is it's better to be obedient, to even be right or correct about something. Just be obedient because in being obedient to the spirit, you are you being obedient to the spirit and not to the flesh. See, because it come down to him being actually in you. Now, I got to go back to where I first started talking about church and how I was raised up in a Baptist church. They was always talking about this Holy Spirit. And his Holy Spirit will come upon you. And I see people dancing and shaking and drop down to the ground and, and all that in the church. And I'll be like, man, they, they, what's wrong with them? They crazy or something? So I said that just to say that the only thing that I saw when I was coming up, and then I, I, I thank him for the understand. I thank him for the eyes. I thank him for everything that he showed me because it's all to, to see him. The only thing I saw from being in a young, as a young child growing up in church, the only thing I saw was the reverend benefiting off the pot that was being passed around, him and his family that's sitting on the first row. So, I mean, since a little child, I saw that. So 
I really didn't see no significance and other than that's the only one that really benefit from us putting money in the pot. So I said that's just to say that this is here. They say, let no man, I see the five minute bell. They say, let no man deceive you, right? So in these last days right now, what I'm saying is, is these classes set up, they always, they've been set up to provide salvation for our souls and to um, establish some kind of confidence or concrete a foundation on which we could stand on. And we can, and, we, and by standing on that, that means no matter wherever comes, we'll be able to stand in Yahshua, being in our hearts and minds or expecting him, just the hope of that to take place. Stand on that, stand on the hope. Even if he's not completely in you or in having completed his work in you yet, stand on that because everything he said comes to pass. So those words, uh, all praise the Yashua Silas. If anybody got some out of it, all praise the Yashua. Yeah. Hallelujah. Thank you so much um, for our next speaker. Thank you, Dr. Organ. And for our next speaker, we're happy to call from our Southfield, Michigan class, Dr. Dewan Nelson. Dr. Nelson? Uh, looks like Dr. Nelson may have dropped off. Uh, see, I'm trying to switch to my next screen. One moment, please. Okay, yeah, he dropped. He dropped off. Okay. Uh, for our next speaker, we're happy to call from our South Hill, Michigan class, Dr. Dorian Lewis. Dr. Lewis. Good afternoon, class. I'm glad to be here, and I'm glad that uh, Yashua's given us another opportunity to learn of him. Mm. I've appreciated um, things that came through the previous vessel and uh, the prayer and scripture as well. Uh, all right, so the previous vessel, had he spoke about some things that um, uh, that have been on my mind and that I, I uh, he made a statement about um, seeing all the different religions I'm not quoting you exactly, Derek, but uh, just, you know, you have all these different religions and everyone thinks they're right. You understand? And uh, I had, I had thought about that a lot when I was younger, you know, growing up in this class, in this class my entire life. Um, there's a point in time where you start to, it stops being just something that your parents make you do. You go to class or you go to church, whatever, because that's what your parents do. That's what your family does. And you start to analyze and you, you have your own thoughts about it. You start to look into it. And so when that happened for me, you know, I was wondering, am I doing the same thing? Like, how do we know that this is the truth, that this is the gospel? Am I just believing it? Because, hey, that's what I was told. It's like Derek talked about people in, in church. That's what you were told. That's what your family, your parents told you, your family told you. There's, there are people that you love and respect and they say this is the way it is and you accept it. You know, so uh i begin to question that am i doing that with class i'm just buying this how do i know that this is really real that there's really a yahweh how do i know that <laughs> i've never seen him so anyway the reason as as derek mentioned this school was established as a result of a divine vision and revelation given to dr henry clifford kenley and what he said was that yahweh gave him a vision 
he had he spoke directly to the creator and he said that that is nothing new this is how yahweh has always revealed himself to mankind and so he gave us some proof and evidence and that's what he said he said that whenever yahweh spoke to a man we, we, we read about these encounters that man has had with god that is what your bible is collection of visions and revelations these men wrote it down and they gave proof that Yahweh spoke to them and uh, get me uh let's see well, I don't want to go that way but they gave yeah give me Moses get the third chapter of Exodus and then uh I just want to get one example of this because I'm not going to take a lot of time and these are things that I know most of us on here have heard but I do have a point I want to get to that's Exodus 3 and 1. Now Moses kept the flock of Jephro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of Elohim, even to Horeb. Mm -hmm. And the angel of Yahweh appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. Mm -hmm. And he looked and behold, the bush burned with fire and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when Yahweh saw that he turned aside to see, Elohim called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And Let's, keep said, reading. Let's keep reading to 12. I'll just let you know now. Okay. And he said, here am I. And he said, draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the Elohim of thy father, the Elohim of Abraham, the Elohim of Isaac, and the Elohim of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon Elohim. And Yahweh said, said I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land and a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Pezzerites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me. And I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said unto Elohim, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve Elohim upon this mountain. Okay, so now we read that. Now this is Moses uh, writing about his first encounter with Yahweh. You understand? Yahweh appeared to him in the burning bush. And so he's telling him, I've seen the afflictions of children of Israel. We, we all know the story, but it's necessary sometimes to go back. And I'm trying to, Yahweh has had on my heart and mind to slow down. You can't tell it all. I'm trying to fit so much into two hours. You just... Yahshua is the Holy Spirit. Do your part, and when he shuts you up, sit down. You know. So anyway, that's just a note to myself. Um, so Yahweh 
appeared to Moses at this burning bush and told him that he sees the afflictions of the children of Israel and their bondage and slavery in Egypt. He tells him to go down. You understand? And um, he told he tells him to go down there and he's going to liberate them. Now I go to the fourth chapter. So he's telling Moses, you go down there and talk to them. And Moses has some objections. He's like, you're not going to believe me. So I'm, I got this because I said that Yahweh, Dr. Kinley expressed that when Yahweh gives a man a vision, if it is a vision from Yahweh, the creator, he gives them proof and evidence. Then we're going to get into some of the proof and evidence he gave Dr. Kinley. All right, so read uh, 4 and 1. And Moses answered and said, but behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, Yahweh have not appeared unto them. And Yahweh said unto him, what is that in thy hand? And he said, a rod. Now, this is where he's about to give him proof and evidence. So pay attention. Go ahead. And he said, cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from before it. And Yahweh said unto Moses, put forth thy hand, and take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand, and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand that they may believe the Yahweh Elohim of their fathers, the Elohim of Abraham, the Elohim of Isaac, and the Elohim of Jacob have appeared unto them. And Yahweh said furthermore unto him, put now thy hand into thy bosom. And he put his hand into his bosom. And when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous as snow. And he said, put thy hand into thy bosom again. And he put his hand into his bosom again and plucked it out of his bosom. And behold, it was turned again as his other flesh. And it shall come to pass, if they will not believe thee, neither hearken to the voice of the first sign, that they will believe the voice of the latter sign. Okay, that's about good right there. Uh, get me, uh, I, I'm looking for it now. If you can find where uh, Moses and Janus and Jambres. Because Yahweh gave him these signs. And these signs weren't just for Moses to convince him. He just said, when you go down there, if they won't hearken into the first sign. So Moses was to go down there and perform these quote-unquote miracles. I don't really like that word. But these miracles in front of Pharaoh and the children, uh, in front of the, the Egyptians and the children of Israel. So if they won't hearken to your voice with the first sign, you show them the second sign. He's giving him proof and evidence. It's going to go down there and do something that they know no man can do to prove that Yahweh did come speak to me and tell me to do this. So get um, that part real quick, Janus and Jamrys, just so we can prove that, that he went down there and did those same signs. I believe it's Exodus 7 and 10, readers, try that. All right. I was looking for it. Yeah, started like a, started 7 and 1, I'm sorry. That's Exodus 7 and 1. And Yahweh said unto Moses, See, I have made thee an Elohim uh, to Pharaoh and Aaron. Aaron, thy brother, shall be thy prophet. Thou shalt speak all that I command thee. And Aaron, thy brother, shall speak unto Pharaoh that he send the children of Israel out of his land. And I will hearten Pharaoh's heart and multiply my son, signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. But Pharaoh shall not hearken unto you that I may lay my hand upon Egypt and bring forth my armies and my people and the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt by great judgments. And the Egyptians shall know that I am Yahweh 
when I stretch forth my hand upon Egypt and bring out the children of Israel from among them. And Moses and Aaron did as Yahweh commanded them, so did they. And Moses was fourscore years old and Aaron fourscore and three years old when they spoke unto Pharaoh. And Yahweh spoke unto Moses and Aaron saying, when Pharaoh shall speak unto you saying, show a miracle for you, then thou shalt say unto Aaron, take thy rod and cast it before Pharaoh and it shall become a serpent. And Moses and Aaron went in unto Pharaoh and they did as Yahweh had commanded. And Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh and before his servants, and it became a serpent. Then Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers. Now the magicians of Egypt, they also did in like manner with their enchantments. For they cast down every man his rod, and they became serpents. But Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods, and he heartened Pharaoh's heart, and he hearkened not unto them, as Yahweh has said. All right. I just wanted to get that. You see that the same thing that Yahweh had Moses do when they were on the backside of the mountain, cast down your rod, turns to a serpent. He had him perform that in front of them to show that Yahweh did send him. So now. Only 14 people on the car. There is, uh, there is more evidence of that Yahweh giving the men, that the prophets that he spoke to uh, signs to show the people that, hey, Yahweh uh, sent me. So here comes Dr. Kenley, because there are many, and I brought this up because there are many, many, many people throughout the course of history, and even to this very day, that's claimed that God sent them and showed them something. God told them to tell the people. God told them to build this, build that, whatever, you understand? But they don't have any proof and evidence. And that's and that's what, what Derek said brought to my mind. How do we know who's right? You know, I've said this before, when we read certain passages in the Bible, we'll read, well, there's therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Yahweh, however that scripture goes. Everybody feels like that's talking about them. We're the ones that's in Yahweh. Baptists feel that way. Methodists feel that way. The non-denominational, whatever. Everybody feels that's talking about them. It ain't talking about everybody. There is a right and there's wrong. Somebody's wrong. And as Dr. Kinley said, well, Yahweh made a lake. <laughs> Somebody going to it. You understand? or hell, somebody's gonna inhabit that, you see. And if you look through uh, human history, you understand the way that the human mind works. You know, you look at what sociologists and psychologists say about religion and why religions um, has persisted to this day and in, in, in the uh, face of science and uh, various uh, more knowledge that we have gotten as human beings about the way the world works. We think about the superstition of people like, like you know, the um, indigenous tribes, the Mayans and all of that, you know, they, they sacrifice humans because, you know, uh, they wanted, they didn't understand the seasons. They didn't understand why the sun, the days got shorter and things like that. So these were sacrifices to appease the God of the sun, all that kind of stuff. We don't do that kind of stuff now, but we still have our same superstitions and, things like that. And so anyway, you look at why they, why sociologists and, and psychologists feel that religion has persisted. It's for the same reasons. We use religion. I'm talking about in, in general, mankind, humankind uses religion to uh, explain things that we don't understand. We don't understand what happens when you die. So this is what sociologists and psychologists say. So we make up a heaven. This is a great place you're going to go to when you die, if you're a good person, and 
you know, they're, they're cautionary tales. They, religion is essentially a fairy tale. That's the same thing. You know, you think of fairy tales, Grimm's fairy mm-hmm. tale, uh, Red, Little Red Riding Hood. Be good, children. If you're not good, you're going to get eaten by the, you know, big bad right. world, things like that. So be good, children, because if you don't, there's this this big old man in the sky. He's always watching you, and he, and he sees you. And if you're not good, you're going to go and burn in hell with the devil and get poked with pitchforks. You see? All of that is eradicated when you have a knowledge and understanding of Yahweh. And so Yahweh has to give a mankind a man of vision and revelation. He has always done that. We just went through Moses' first encounter with Yahweh. Now, this Bible is full of these encounters, Yahweh speaking to mankind. You see, the reason that it's hard for, for a lot of us to believe that when we first hear is because we weren't told that in our previous religious affiliations or whatever you were into. It sounds like, and I think a lot of people have that very, um, that same concept that I just talked about that the sociologists and scientists say about religions. People, they don't really believe. It's like, yeah, God, I believe in God, but God helps those to help themselves. If you listen to the way people talk about God, they don't really believe he has any power to really do anything, you see. So Yahweh gave Dr. Kinley this vision, and he gave, he gave him a sign, and his sign was this pattern that we consistently talk about. I'm over here looking at my chart. I don't even, okay, I didn't know what chart you had up. Uh, so right here at the top of this chart, it says Elohim, the archetype or original pattern of the universe. This was something that Yahweh had not revealed or, or the intricate detail and workings of this pattern. Yahweh didn't reveal it before Dr. Kinley. He revealed it to him, and that was the sign. And so Dr. Kinley talked about this pattern, and, he's, and, and we, we have all these charts, and it shows the systematic functioning I think Derek used this word consistency, this consistency of this pattern. Dr. Kinley called it the unerring accuracy of this pattern. And he said that all it is is to get, get you to see that Yahweh is real and it establishes some faith. You can have some faith that Yahweh really does exist. He really is in control of things. Because you look at the world now and everybody's like, well, God, how many times have any, all of us heard this? Why would God allow this to happen? Why would right. God don't want all this stuff, all this evil and war going on? No, God don't want that. You see, that's, that's that comes from a fundamental misunderstanding of who Yahweh is, what he is, and and a complete ignorance of the fact that he has a purpose. And so that's what that's another thing the pattern helps us understand is that Yahweh has. A, if you when you see something that's patterned out, it's there's some forethought there. You understand what I'm saying? You didn't just you don't just wake up in the morning and say you're gonna make a cake and you don't you just wing it you're like oh, i might use flour i might not i'm gonna see what i No, there's a system to it you got flour you got your dry ingredients you got your wet ingredients you got the temperature of the oven you don't just make it up as you go you see so a pattern it by its very existence says that there was some forethought or some planning involved with it and so by us learning this pattern we can see all of this is none of it's out of yahweh's control he has systematic control of, of it, of everything that happens in this world, in this universe. And it is going according to his predetermined time scale, his predetermined pattern, and it will have his predetermined outcome. And that will establish our faith in Yahweh. There really is a God. Yahweh really does exist. And if his pattern works this way, then maybe the things that, that he says are the uh, outcome of obedience to him will be true. And will be that will happen to me 
and maybe the out, what he says is the outcome of disobedience, that will possibly happen to me if I don't, if I'm disobedient, right? So they're talking about the simple, simple, the pattern is simple. Of course, it can be as complex as we want it to be, but we keep it simple. Uh, go to, um, I think there was one other thing I wanted to get. But anyway, go to the um, elementary chart, please, real quick. I hope it's making some kind of sense. Absolutely. But what, what I'm, um, for me, understanding something about this pattern, it, it's the consistency. It allows you and I, I'll speak for myself, allows me to, it's a, it's a um, anchor. It's a grounding point. Because we're in this world and we don't know everything. Yeah, we come to class, you don't understand everything about Yahweh. So we still get uh, flustered, afraid, panic. That is a part of it. We are Yahweh's children. You understand? And it's for us to learn. He knows what's going to happen, but we don't. So it's for us to learn and gain trust in him. You see? So when I get flustered, afraid, blah, 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 all of that, I can turn to this pattern. It is consistent. It does not change. I can see, okay, I can get my bearings. Wait a minute. That hasn't changed. We talk about how so many things have changed in the world. That hasn't changed. Right? So now, what Dr. Kenley talked about, he drew out this chart. It's called the chart on the pattern or plan of salvation. And he said that, that the way Yahweh's purpose works, there are key principles that repeat. He said Yahweh's purpose just repeats it overturns and overturns and overturns. It is the same thing. Now, from a natural standpoint, get Romans 119.20 real quick. And just put up the bell whenever my time is up. Get out. I'm sorry. That's Romans 1 and, I'm sorry, that's Romans 1 and 19. Mm -hmm. Because that which may be known of Yahweh is manifest in them, mm -hmm. for Yahweh have shown it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and supernal nature so that they are without excuse. All right, again, we're not gonna spend too much time on that. Most of us have heard that a million times, but we know that that is, we, we like to uh, simplify that by saying it takes the natural things to understand the spiritual things. The way Yahweh made this natural world, that's the things we can see, taste, touch, things we can interact with with our five senses. You understand? He made those things operate in a particular way, shape and form that, to show us something about the things we can't see taste touch here you understand spiritual things do you understand so like i said my question was how do i know yahweh really exists i've never seen yahweh like how do we really know you understand that's i remember having that question for a long time like how do we really know you know what if all of this is just man you just die and it's just darkness and that's it you know so Yahweh put this, this, he created this world, the way that this natural world, the way that it is, so that it can show us something about the things we can't see. And we actually use that, you know, they talk about uh, meta, things being meta, like the, the latest matrix is like, I don't know, it's like, I don't even know how to describe it, but it's almost meta in the sense, like, from a natural standpoint, we use things that we can see to show us 
about things that we can't see, but those things we can't see are still natural. That makes sense. In other words, like we talk about uh, H2O in this gaseous state. We go through this all the time. We can't see that, but it is a physical thing. Do you get my point? I think sometimes we can get caught up in, we, at least I do, when we talk about these, we're making these comparisons, spiritual things to physical things. And we use Roman, I mean, not Romans, but uh, H2O and his three states of existence. We compare that to Yahweh and his three states of existence. Sometimes I know I talk about H2O and its gaseous state as if it's spirit. It's not spirit. It is an analogous to Yahweh in his pure spirit form. But H2O in its gaseous state is a physical thing. It's a physical molecule. But we, as human beings, our eyes can't see it. We can't smell it. We can't touch it. We can't taste it. We know it's there. We prove that it's there because of how other things react to it, things we can see. Does that make sense? How they react to it. So we're using Romans 1, 19 and 20 just in a physical way. So yeah, well, yeah, Dr. Kenley put on this on this uh, pattern, he uses things from the Bible on this chart, sorry. He used, he's using things from this Bible to get across the principles that are spiritual to show what Yahweh is doing to us spiritually so. These principles overturn and overturn. They are consistent and they continually repeat. So we talk about blood, water, water, and spirit. That's another one Dr. that Yahweh gave to Dr. Kinley. And you look at Paul, Paul talks about like, they knew about the pattern, but not in the detail that Yahweh revealed it to Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley because Yahweh hadn't revealed a lot of the scientific things. You see, Yahweh got a purpose. Like back then with Paul and them, Yahweh didn't reveal a lot of the things that mankind understands about science now, atoms and all of that. They weren't aware of that stuff then. So in Yahweh's purpose, he lets, he gives mankind the, the knowledge to discover, you know, the atomic realm and things like that. Then he gives Dr. Kim the vision. Cause now you see Yahweh's carrying out this whole thing. You see, so now he gives Dr. Kim the vision that breaks down this pattern and shows how everything down to the atomic level goes according to this pattern. This pattern that is, as Dr. Kinley wrote in the textbook, is descriptively stipulated in this Bible. See what I'm saying? The pattern is, and it's the same pattern that they were talking about then, it's the same pattern now that goes according to everything, new discovery that Yahweh allows mankind to make, it's still gonna go according to this pattern. So you learn the fundamentals of the pattern and Yahweh can reveal to you how these things work. So we had this blood, water, spirit that is in 1 John 5 and 7. These are principles, principles. We don't need to go out and get physical blood and physical water and hope that the spirit, like Derek talked about, people, you know, catching the Holy Ghost. I mean, that's not what we're talking about. But Yahweh uses these principles throughout these stories. So we know that in with this transgression plate, you had a, uh, show of blood. Oh, let me say this about this chart. This chart, you see these plates. You see transgression. It's a, it's threefold in nature. You have the top portion where it says Garden of Eden. You have the middle portion where it says Adam driven out. You have the bottom portion, <clears throat> excuse me, with Adam tilling the ground and the tombstone and Eve bearing children. And you have the serpent, right? Each of these is designed in that way because it's designed according to that tabernacle that Derek talked about. That was a physical structure that Yahweh had them build in the wilderness of Sinai after they came out of Egypt, you see. But that physical structure is a representation or an analogy to the true pattern, which is Yahweh Elohim. So all things go according to the pattern. There are principles that Yahweh is showing in these, in these uh, events. 
go according to that pattern. So you have the most holy place, Garden of Eden. You have the holy place where Adam is driven out. You see the angel with the flaming sword. You have the court roundabout where Adam tilling the ground, Eve bearing children. Same thing in Noah preparing to enter the ark. Start from the bottom in the court roundabout. You have Noah preparing to enter. He's building the ark. You have the holy place or the intermediate section. That's them entering the ark. And then you have the holy place. That's them after the flood waters have receded from the earth and they repopulate the earth. Same thing with Abraham, King Melchizedek. In the court roundabout, you have Abraham preparing to slay Isaac and the angel staying his hand. In the holy place, you have the birth of Isaac. In the most holy place, you have the Abrahamic promise and uh, King Melchizedek blessing. I should have went down, but you have King Melchizedek blessing Abraham. I'm just showing you the threefold structure. That's why they're like that. It's going according to the pattern. So in, oh, can you get me the um, tabernacle pattern chart real quick? I'm sorry. I should probably should have started there. Okay, so again, most holy place at the top, holy place in the center or the intermediate section, court roundabout, the third section or the bottom portion. In this bottom portion, you have vessels, you have the altar of sin sacrifice where they had to bring sacrifices, just sacrifice, <laughs> animals to sacrifice. You have the brazen labor of water where they wash their sacrifices. You also have the, the cup of holy anointing oil, which had a special blend of oils that was consecrated and the priest was anointed with that at the beginning of his ministry. He's talking about principles. So you have the blood with the animal being slaughtered for the, for the um, altar. They put the blood on the four horns of the altar. Main point is blood. You have the water in the labor where the sacrifice is washed. That's water. We're looking at principles. You have the, holy, the cup of holy anointing oil and the oil in the scripture signifies spirit. Just like when Yahshua was, uh, I think it was the night before his crucifixion, and the woman came and anointed him with the oil. And his disciples was like, well, she wasting all that because the oil was expensive. Look now, we got the essential oils, right? They can get pretty expensive, right? <laughs> they was mad about that. Like, why are you wasting that oil <laughs> putting it on his feet? He's like, you don't know what she's doing. But that's typical. That's a testament or a type of him having the Holy Spirit. You understand? If that's the oil. So that's what he, I forgot how Yahshua said it, but she's anointing me. Anyway, so the oil represents spirit. So you got blood with the altar of sin sacrifice. You got water in the brazen labor. You got spirit with the cup of holy anointing oil. So we're going to bring the same pattern over to this uh, chart on the pattern of the plan of salvation. You can go back to that real quick. We start with Adam and the transgression in the court roundabout. Remember, that's where you see the blood, water, and spirit on the tabernacle. It's in the court roundabout. So you're going to see blood, water, spirit. So you have the blood. You can look at it with childbirth. When a woman has a child, there's a show of blood. You understand? You have the water. Yahweh told Adam, you will work by the sweat of your brow. What is sweat? It is water. And you have the spirit. And that spirit line is right there on that dividing line between the, um, between the court roundabout and the holy place. And if you look at the, I won't have you jump back, but if you look at the tabernacle, that priest was anointed at the door of the sanctuary. That's the dividing line or the veil. He was anointed at the door. So that's why, I'm, okay, thank you. Back on the other chart, that sometimes you, it'll seem like that uh, spirit principle is either at that line or above that line. 
So you have the blood with the childbirth, the water. You can have water with the childbirth too, or the water with Adam's sweat of his face. And that actually says that on that chart next to Adam. And don't worry about blowing it up because it gets blurry, but it says sweat on his face or sweat of his face. Then you have, so we have blood, water, spirit, which is the angel. You see him right there with the flaming sword. He's right on that line. He is the spirit. That's blood, water, spirit. Only point of this is for right. you and I to start to see the consistency of it, that it happens in all these biblical events, and that you start to establish some faith. Well, maybe if this is true, let me see what else Yahweh revealed. Mm-hmm. Let me see if that, that works the same way. You see? So you have Noah preparing to enter the ark. You have in the court roundabout again. We're looking for blood, water, spirit. So you have the blood. Now, that's the thing. It's not always physical mm-hmm. blood. You understand? Like with in, in, in the transgression. Childbirth, there is physical show of blood. Every woman, every mother tell you that there's some blood involved in that, right? With Noah and the preparing to enter the ark, you see right there it says wicked warm. And yes. it's hard to see here, but those are the people. Those are re- what you see, those people, that group of people there, that's representing the people that Noah preached to or the whole right. world. The people that, and people, there were people who believed Noah. Noah was 120 years preaching. And there were people that believed him for a while. And then they all just started falling off because this man been saying for 120 years, <laughs> it's going to rain, something that they had never seen. You understand? So, they believe for a minute, and after a while, I was like, I ain't thinking about him. Ain't nothing happened. It's been all you've been preaching for 40 years. I ain't seen a drop of rain out the sky, you see. But mm-hmm. what it says is wicked warm. So those people, those non-believers that fell off, and it has a scripture. It has Ezekiel 33 and 46. Grab mm-hmm. that real quick. Or at 33 and 4 through 6, I think that's supposed Correct. to be. Correct. All right. So um Grab that real quick. It says the wickedest warning. What and then on this chart you can't really see it because it's hard to blow it up. But they have little red things over their heads, mm-hmm. and that's tying into Ezekiel thirty-three and forty-six. So grab that real quick. Four and six. Was that Ezekiel thirty-three and four? Yeah, I think so. That's what it says on the chart. Yeah, Ezekiel thirty-three and four. Then whosoever heareth the sound of the trumpet and taketh not warning, if the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. There we go. So what he's talking about is the, the people will be warned. That's what Ezekiel's talking about. The people will be warned before this coming calamity. And if they hear it, the sound of the trumpet or the notification, look, this is coming and they don't take heed or they ignore it, their blood or their life is on their head. You're responsible for that. So that's what it's showing here with Noah. That's what this chart is showing that Noah warned the people. Look, Mm -hmm. Yahweh said he's going to destroy this earth with a flood. Those of you who do not hear, who didn't hear, their blood was on their own head. So there's your blood principle. Remember, we're looking at principles in this Noah preparing to enter the ark plate. There's your blood principle. You have the water principle, which is clearly the flood, right? <laughs> That's an easy water principle. And then you have your spirit principle, again, on that line, or sometimes it seems like it crosses over into the holy place. But this mm-hmm. when uh, the night before the flood comes, Yahweh told them to go, or not the night before, I think it was a week before, seven days, whatever. Yahweh tells them to go into that ark, and it says the spirit of Elohim, or the spirit of Yahweh, shut the door. 
You understand? Yeah. Not Noah, not a man. Yahweh shut the door. And there's your spirit principle. Go to Abraham and King Melchizedek. Mm -hmm. Remember, we're just looking at the consistency of it. Abraham, in the court roundabout, you see Abraham preparing to slay his son Isaac on the altar that they built. You understand? But the angel stayed his hand. Mm -hmm. And instead, there was something that died in, in Isaac's stead because Isaac was not. Now, he's a type. This is a type. Abraham and Isaac are a type of Yahweh and Yahshua. Mm -hmm. But Isaac is not the truth. So he's, he's a type, but he's not Yahshua. He wasn't worthy to die, you see. But that's a type. And Abraham being the father willing to sacrifice his son, you understand? That's a type of Yahweh and Yahshua. But the angel, the angel stays his hand. And so he says, there's a ram caught in the thickets. So the ram is slain. And there's your blood principle. Now, can somebody get me the water principle? I um I know we say that there's a well, there was a well there. I was reading that scripture. I couldn't find it. So if I was actually looking that up, Dorian. Yeah, there's I'm a I know reading it always, right now. Okay. If you find um, it. There, I think there is a scripture. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, the, the definition of principle is first or highest in rank, importance, or value mm -hmm. um, of the, <clears throat> excuse me, of the nature of or constituting principle or capital. Mm -hmm. uh, a chief or head, of course, we know that's like someone in a school. Mm -hmm. I think, um, which one are you looking at? P-A-L or P-L-E? Uh, I think -E. I'm looking at, yeah, P-L-E. Let's see. So principle, dictionary.com, an accepted or professional rule of action or conduct, mm -hmm. a fundamental, primary, or general law or truth from go. which others are derived. Mm -hmm. Yeah, from which mm -hmm. other laws and truths are derived. All right. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. So I, I'm going to move past this because I don't want to keep taking time. But th this is some homework for all of us. Mm -hmm. Find the water principle in this Abraham and King Melchizedek play in the court roundabout. I, like I said, I've always heard, oh, there was, a, uh, there was a well nearby. I looked for it. I couldn't personally find that, but I, maybe I wasn't looking in the right place. You know, this is, re this is a research organization. So you had a blood. We're going to find the water. You have the spirit, the angel that stayed his hand. Blood, water, spirit. Move over to the migratory pattern. You have, this is the night of the Passover that is being depicted in the court around the bottom of this plate. You have the blood of the lamb. They had to slay the Paschal lamb. Can you zoom out just a little bit, please? They had to slay the Paschal lamb and place the blood on the four, uh, on the door, you understand? And with the basin that they dipped it from, making four points of blood. So there's your blood, very easy blood principle. They leave up out of Egypt on the night of the Passover over. They come to the Red Sea. There's your water principle. They followed the cloud. As they, the cloud led them out, and in that cloud, Yahweh talks about that. I forgot what scripture it is, but it's, it's in that event where he talks about that angel in that cloud. And he, and he talks about, y'all, don't mess with that angel because he ain't going to pardon you. <laughs> You're saying he ain't, that angel wasn't no joke. And so there's your spirit, the angel that was in the clouds. You had blood, water, spirit in that. We just went through the interior tabernacle. You got the blood of the sacrifice, that they, those sacrifices that they had to bring for their sins. You got the water and the labor. You have the cup of holy anointing oil, which represents spirit. You understand? You have with the baptism and ministry plate, you have Yahshua, and we have him here crucified, being showing that he is the Lamb of Yahweh, and Yahweh and Yahshua is our Passover sacrifice for us. He's the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. 
So you have the blood of his sacrifice. You have the water of his baptism. And at his baptism, John had a vision of a dove, a lighting, the spirit lighting on his head like a dove, and it's in a voice that said, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So that's blood, water, spirit. He's setting this chart up to show the consistency of these principles and how they continue to go. Um, go down to uh, death, burial, resurrection, real quick. So this is another easy one, right? Because all of these blood, water, spirits point to Yahshua's death, burial, and resurrection. So when he's crucified on the uh, cross, the soldier pierces him in the side, and it says, out came blood and water, and he gave up the ghost or the spirit. So you got right there. Now, that was one for me that really kind of like, all right, maybe there's something to this, because it's... All the time in all of these events, it's not the blood, water, spirit aren't so close there. Sometimes it's a little bit of, like in the events that happen, it's a little further down in, in the time of the events. You might find the spirit down there or, or whatever. But this one's right here. And it's worded that way in the Bible. Out for came blood and water. He gave up the ghost or the spirit. Yes, and that's blood, water, spirit. And so you see in the consistency of these patterns. So. Uh, I, I'm going to stop right there on those, but I want to show you this does not stop on this chart. When you learn the consistency of this pattern, up to, now there's other principles in this pattern too. Real quick, go back up to the top, real quick. I don't even think I can do all of this because I, I need to research, but I just want to show one. In the holy place, I'm sorry, Lori, I got you running all over the place. Back to the tabernacle too, please. Remember, we're looking at principles. I told you the blood, water, spirit principle is in the court roundabout. In the holy place, you got some principles too. You have the seven brands golden candlestick, which offered light. You have the table of shoe bread, which offered sustenance. Sustenance, that's something to sustain you. You understand? That's what your food does. It sustains your life. And you also have the, the uh, altar of incense, which mm -hmm. is re represents a principle of intercession. That altar was to intercede. It said it was to be a sweet smelling savor unto Yahweh. Mm -hmm. The stench of the slaughter down in the court roundabout. And that was slaughter. You right. know, it wasn't no barbecue smell. That was slaughter. You ever been around a slaughterhouse? They kill that. Go to the store and buy some meat and, and smell that raw meat. That's <laughs> right. It don't smell good. You understand? That was slaughter. Blood does not smell good. So. That was representing a savor. It said a sweet, sweet smelling savor to offer up to Yahweh and intercede from this stench of death down here. Mm -hmm. And even that's the principle, the stench of death, the stench of disobedience, the stench of carnality. You understand? That's, these are showing principles. So anyway, in this, you have these three in the holy place. You have these three principles, light, mm -hmm. bread or sustenance, intercession. So now let's go back to the elementary chart. Okay, so at the transgression plate, you got the same thing. And these all these principles, I'm not I'm gonna do just the transgression plate because I don't even know it in all of them. But these same principles follow all the way down, just like we did that blood, water, and spirit. So in the in the holy place of the transgression plate, you have light. He said it was an angel with mm -hmm. the flaming sword that blocked the way and he, he guarded the entrance to the garden. You understand? But that flaming sword is the light. We had light bread. Uh, Yahweh told him as he's, and that's what this um, 
section, this holy place, this is showing, it says Adam driven out. It is showing Adam's expulsion from the garden. Right. So Adam, during his expulsion, when Yahweh's telling him that you, now you got to get out of here because you disobeyed me. He tells him, you shall eat bread and sweat of your face. He mm -hmm. mentions bread. You see what I'm saying? It's not always physical. And then say, here's some bread, eat it now. You see what I'm saying? But he mentions it. You're looking for these principles. He said, you shall eat bread and sweat of your face. So you got light. You got bread, and then you got intercession, which is the angel, because it said he blocked the way. They couldn't come back in the garden because he was interceding. You understand? Like bread. And so the same thing happens all the way through. As I said, I don't know. I need to study more. I've been asking you how to get that to me, to study more. But these principles are consistent. Let me do one more, and it's not even on the chart because I made that point that it doesn't stop on this chart. You understand? You see, as a matter of fact, you see blood, water, and spirit on all these charts. But when you learn the consistency of the pattern and you learn how to how to uh, watch for it, when you're reading events, we, we talk about this often, get an audio book or whatever, wherever, whatever's easiest for you to read the Bible, just to become familiar with the stories. You don't have to become a biblical expert, but just become, oh, that happened in Genesis. Oh, that happened in Leviticus, you know, whatever. As you start doing this, as Yahweh reveals more to you about this, these principles of the blood, water, and spirit and how his pattern works, you begin to listen for these things. And it's like, oh, there's blood, water, spirit. Oh, there's blood. You just start to see it everywhere. And you see how consistent it is. And that gives you some faith that Yahweh did give a man a vision, that Yahweh does have a purpose and a pattern and a plan, and that it is consistent. And, that, and that's how we learn anything is through the consistency and the rep repetition of anything, you see. So get uh, Elijah and the prophets of Baal, and I'm done. And jump down right to the to show off first or second kings reader uh, i believe 18 i can't remember if it's first or second this was one for me you know we all have our personal testimony for me this was one of the first times i was really like huh? like there's blood water and spirit where yahweh kind of opened it up like, oh and that's not on the chart but it's blood water and spirit and it's clear as day mm -hmm. first and second kings uh I know it's the 18th. I can't remember if it's first or second. I'm no, that's first Kings. Go ahead. First Kings 18 and 19. Okay. I don't know if you want me to start up, but 18 and 19. Just go ahead and start. I'm trying to find it in my Bible. Now therefore send and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel and the prophets of Baal 450 and the prophets of the groves 400 which eat at Jezebel's table. Mm -hmm. So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. Mm -hmm. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long haunt ye between two opinions? If Yahweh be Elohim, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. Then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I only, remain a prophet of Yahweh's. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Mm -hmm. Let them therefore give us two bullocks and let them choose one bullock for themselves and cut it into pieces and lay it on wood and put no fire under. And I will dress the other bullock and lay it on wood and put no fire under. Mm -hmm. And call ye on the name of your gods and I will call on the name of Yahweh. And the God, God that answereth by fire, let him be Elohim. And all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. All right, we're not going to read this whole story, read it on your own. 
But now, and I think I mixed up these principles. I always do that because we also have, we talk about blood, water, and spirit. We also have these principles of death, burial, and resurrection. Same oh. thing you're going to see them in the court roundabout. We, I've said these these two sets of principles are, are synonymous. You see, where you see blood, you'll see death. Where you see water, you'll see burial. Where you right. see uh, spirit, you'll see resurrection. Same, all, it's the same thing. Don't get confused. Don't let it be, become too confusing to you. It's still showing the consistency of Yahweh's pattern. Because mm-hmm. Yahshua's death and his burial and he resurrected. You understand? It's all pointing to Yahshua and showing you the consistency that all Yahshua, these, all of these stories are talking about Yahshua. So mm-hmm. that we might have some faith in Yahshua. So then you read this. Uh, let's go down to uh, do, 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 do. start at 36. 36 verse. Mm-hmm. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah, the prophet, came near and said, Notice Yahweh- that this is something that, you know, Yahweh has to reveal to you. And, right. and he revealed through Dr. Kenley. And nobody see you hear about people talking about the tabernacle. Ain't none of them. They don't know about this. You see, uh, uh, it says right here at the time it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. That right. has to do with the tabernacle. And it right. also points to Yahshua too. So it's a lot. Go ahead. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Yahweh Elohim of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art the Elohim in Israel, mm-hmm. and that I am thy servant, mm-hmm. and that I have done all these things at thy word. Mm-hmm. Hear me, O Yahweh, hear me that this people may know that thou art the Elohim and that thou has turned their heart back again. Mm -hmm. Then the fire of Yahweh fell and consumed the burnt offering. I'm sorry, consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, Yahweh, he is the Elohim. Yahweh, he is the Elohim. And Elijah said unto them, take the prophets of Baal, let not one of them escape. Mm -hmm. And they took them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slew them there. Mm -hmm. Read that last verse. And Elijah said unto Ahab, get thee up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. All right, so now look at these principles. Now, there's a bunch of stuff I missed. You read it on your own time because you can see blood, water, and spirit in a, in a few ways in this in this event of Elijah yeah. versus the 450 prophets of Baal. Mm-hmm. Of course, you had, he said, let us set up altars. Mm-hmm. You understand? Let's get sacrifices. So you got blood there or death. Mm-hmm. Said, they're going to, uh, Elijah said, make a trench around the altar. We're going to pour water because That's the whole right. point of the contest was Whichever guy answers by fire and consumes the sacrifice. So we're going to wet the sacrifice and the, the altar to make sure that you can't just go light it yourself. There's got to be some spiritual fire, if you will. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, so you got, but you got water. You see what I'm saying? And then the spirit of Yahweh sends the fire down. You understand? That's blood or spirit. You can look at it like that. That's right. You also have uh, death, burn, resurrection. Where And I love this. This was the one that I was like, oh, Yahweh, I see him. You know, he made me see it. It was there the whole time. But right here, after after the uh, Yahweh, the, spirit, the fire of Yahweh comes down and consumes the uh, sacrifice and the altar and the water, you know what I'm consumed all of it. Then he says, you grab those false prophets. Mm-hmm. He takes them. He says, you're going to grab them. Don't let one of them escape. They're going to they die. 
So that's a death. He kills him. And then where does he take him to kill him? Down to the brook. You understand? Because you got to have uh, water or you got to have blood and water. You understand? Of course, like we said, the spirit of Yahweh that sent that fire down. You understand? It's so many different ways you can see this. But that for me was awesome. But I had to, uh, Yahweh had to reveal to me the way, the consistency. That's the point of blood, water, spirit, death, burn, resurrection. It's to give us faith and confidence in Yahweh. You understand? And so they go, there is so much more and somebody could do a much better job than I can going through this. But this is your anchor. Understanding this, not saying blood, water, spirit. And, you know, you having a trying situation, you say, by the blood, the water and spirit of Yahweh, like it ain't, you know what I'm saying? That's how I think sometimes we, I know I thought like that. It was like some magical Yeah, I can say it like blood, water, spirit by the power of, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what, what we be thinking, but no, it's having a knowledge and understanding of the consistency of Yahweh's pattern that Yahweh really is in control. And so what happens, what it does is it humbles you as well, because when you, you're going to run across situations and encounter situations that you do not understand, even though you're in this gospel and you know Yahweh's name. And so what it causes you to do is say, instead of saying like the world, why would Yahweh do that? Why would, I don't understand. Maybe I, you would say, okay, Yahweh, I don't know. Show me. You see? It just establishes your faith. Understand, because you know Yahweh's real now. You see the consistency of this pattern. As I said, we everything we learn in life from a natural standpoint, we learn through repetition and consistency. You ever had to teach a kid how to speak or, you know, you teach them their ABCs, you teach them how to talk. What is that? Nothing but repeat, 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 repeat. Right. Understand? And, and, and let me say this about Romans 1, 19, 20, and I am done. Romans 1.19, don't get caught up. That's why I said these blood, water, spirit, they're principles. We're not looking for physical blood in our lives. Like, what's the blood, water, spirit? And you're seeing the consistency of Yahweh's story that there's, these principles are always there, but don't get caught up on the manifestations of the principle. So just as you take that child and you're trying to teach them about counting, and you say, here's three apples, and here's two apples, and three plus two. The point is not the apples. Do you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> You're using that as a tool to teach them, right? So what is what are you trying to teach them? An abstract concept, though, of, of counting. You don't want them to grow up and be adults and can't count without apples. You understand what I'm saying? But you're using these natural things, these simple things, to lead them to a more complex concept. And that's what Yahweh is doing with this, to give us some real faith. He's showing very basic, simple things. You see the blood. You see the water. You see the spirit. You see the death. You see the burial, you see the resurrection to lead us to how he is changing us, resurrecting us from spiritual death and darkness. When you have faith in Yahweh, you are resurrected from the darkness that's in the world. That is why this world is crazy. The hearts of men are corrupted. It is not just people just crazy, people on drugs. It is the satanic spirit that is influencing these people. And when your heart is resurrected from the doldrums and of degradation in the world and you begin to trust in Yahweh, you are not there. You that satanic spirit can't have as much influence on you. Don't mean that he gonna, won't try to influence you. And it doesn't mean that your life will be perfect. But what it means is that you now seek out Yahweh instead of trying to solve it on your own. Because when you're left to your own devices, you have no resort, no other choice but to be what the world is. And that will lead you to running up into your your office and shooting up the place. You understand? Or whatever. 
you see. So I hope that that made some sense. Have faith in Yahweh. When you feel yourself getting, you know, it's a lot going on in everybody's lives. When you feel yourself getting a little flustered and out of sorts, come back to Yahweh. Sit down, turn off everything else. All the nonsense, I don't care who it is, your wife, it's your husband, it's your, hey, y'all gonna have to, I need to focus on Yahweh, you understand? Because it's consistency, he will get your bearings. You know, right. we feel like we're spinning out of control sometimes. You need to get stable. And that's, the for me, the consistency of this pattern does that. It has not changed. It still ain't changed. So everything ain't all crazy and different. Yahweh is still the same, still consistent, mm -hmm. still operating as he has said he will. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you very much, Dr. Lewis. And for our next speaker, we're happy to call also from the Southfield, Michigan class, Dr. Shirley Nelson. Dr. Nelson. I like to say good afternoon to class. Good afternoon. To everyone. I really enjoyed the previous speakers, the things that they spoke about was so powerful, so edifying, so real, so very strong. And they are according to this divine vision and revelation that Yahweh has given us at this time. He gave this to a man by the name of Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley in 1931. And this is the vision, or this gospel is what Yahweh had given to him through by divine vision and revelation. And as I listened to those, as the previous speakers, the things that they talked about, we wouldn't have known that. We wouldn't have had a clue about what was really happening, how to interpret any of these scriptures. We wouldn't have had not even an inkling of what it was that Yahweh had revealed. You know, uh, the previous speaker, the first speaker, I think he had mentioned something about that 144,000 that came up or the, who the scripture talks about. And I, I can't break down a lot of the numbers. I know some people will go into it and just show it, you know, from one end to the other. But what I do know is that the way that the Jehovah Witnesses talk about the 144,000, they put a book out about that, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, you know, when they're taking, and if you just wanna get that, I'm not gonna go deep into it or anything. No, we don't have that much time, but just wanna share a little bit about what I said since the previous speaker had mentioned that. And so if you go over there, uh, just briefly to uh, Revelations over there, and um, I want it first where it talks about, maybe it's over there in numbers where they were numbered. Uh, first of all, if you can get that. I know that there was 12 tribes, right? 12 tribes of Israel, 12,000 of each of those tribes that made up the 144,000. See, but you also have over in the scriptures where they were, uh, there was actually a number, get over there numbers, I think it's in 14. Numbers 14 and 29, if you can get that. And I need to pull it up too. Because I hadn't, when he said it, I'm like, okay, what do I remember about this? And uh, these are the things that Yahweh brings out. Sometimes, you know, you'll have various ones that will say things and it'll spark your mind. I'm talking of the brethren. It will spark your mind that, you know, I haven't gone into that. I haven't looked at that in a while, see, to be able to refresh your memory. Because a lot of times what Yahweh be doing is causing things to come up so that you you might have to have an opportunity where you're talking to somebody 
about this very thing or that they might ask you something about it. And so it's good to refresh our memory about uh, what it is that we have. I don't know where, maybe I have the wrong scripture because now I can't find it. Over there where it talks about uh, those who came up out of um, Egypt itself. I think it was 600,350 of fighting men, I think, that came up out of Egypt. See, and those Israelites were numbered out there at that particular time, see. But there's another scripture that talks about, I think it's over in Revelation, pardon me, Revelation, the seventh chapter. Maybe that's where it's at. Revelation seven and four. Does someone get that? Revelation seven and four is, and I heard the number of them which were sealed. And there were sealed a hundred and forty and four thousand of all the tribes of the children of Israel. Right. Now see, right, those 12 tribes, time is about 12,000 of each tribe. Now that's when, see, this is the, you know, we're just reading that. Jehovah Witnesses look at it and say, oh, it was only going to be 144,000 of the uh, earth class, I think they said, that's going to go over into Canaan's land. And I'm, I'm, I'm want to do some more research on it myself because it's really something that's an esoteric secret. But we didn't understand that, see. Just reading the Bible, it looks like maybe that's all that's going to be saved. But now when you go over there in another part of Revelations, I can't think of where it's at, where it talks about an innumerable. It's probably, uh, is that Revelation 7 also? And 9, go down to the ninth verse. Got to, just talked about the 144,000 that came up out of Zion or came to Mount Zion, that is. And that's what the Jehovah Witnesses talk about, saying that those are gonna be the ones, and you know it has to be, they're thinking as Jehovah Witnesses only, that's going to be saved. See, but then when you go down to the ninth verse, what does that say? Uh, Revelation seven and nine, after this I beheld and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number of all nations mm. and kindreds and mm. tongues and peoples. And they stood before the throne and before the lamb, clothed with white robes and with palms in their hands. Now it says with no man could number or an innumerable number that came out. So which is it? An innumerable number or 144,000? You see what I'm saying? Well, we know that it's not just 144,000 because Dr. Kinley goes on to talk about, once you go over there to uh, Hebrews, the 12th chapter. Now look, the previous speaker talked about this chart that's on here on the screen right now that we see, we have this chart according to, and it's itself is threefold, if you will. You've got Egypt, you've got the wilderness of Sinai, and you've got Canaan's land here. This is showing a migration, if you will, coming up out of Egypt and going into Canaan's land. This was a migratory trek that the children of Israel had to do moving from one state, is stipulifying, moving from one state of existence to another. This is exactly what happens to all of us when we first hear about this doctrine of this school. We were all steeped in ignorance when it came to Yahshua the Messiah, when it came to any knowledge or understanding of our creator, how he really is and how he actually exists. Egypt was known as a dark place. That is representing death, hell, and the grave. 
ignorance, confusion. See, the book talks about how there were Lord's many and God's many. There were all kinds of worshiping and, and abominations going on down here in Egypt. This is likened unto that state in existence that we are in without an understanding and without a knowledge of Yahshua the Messiah. But then Yahweh had a purpose and he had a plan. And the previous speakers both talked about how, how they came out out of that land, that they were saved by the blood of the lamb. See, well, it's not talking about a physical lamb, even though Yahweh used these physical illustrations to point out a particular uh, uh, point that he, that he wanted us, his people, to understand. So that lamb was the only way that they could come out of Egypt. So that's why they had to take that lamb out and they had to kill the lamb. Talking about taking that blood of that lamb, that killing the lamb was likened to that death as the previous speaker beautifully went through, see. In other words, so that was that blood of that lamb, see. And then they had to take that blood and put it on the four four points of the door, see? And we know that our houses, this house, this physical body that we're in, that we are, see, this is our house. This is where, you know, he, we're gonna find Yahshua the Messiah. So just as that lamb that they had to take and kill and take the blood and put it on the door, they had to wash that lamb that was representing that water, see? And then afterwards they were, and they were to eat this lamb and consume it completely. So that when they come up out of Egypt through that divided waters of the Red Sea, see, that Yahweh, see, or that lamb is in them. Do you understand what I'm trying to say, see? And then they enter into that wilderness of Sinai. See, just as we, when we come up out of the ignorance and the darkness, see, we partake, we then, see, are brought unto Yahweh, if you will. I'm just saying it kind of plainly. In other words, he just took us by the hand, see, and showed us, gave us his name, showed us something about himself. See, told us about his death, burial, and resurrection. See, showed how there was blood, water, and spirit that then placed us through the teaching of that, through the understanding of the gospel, which Paul talks about over in 1 Corinthians. I show you, he says, he talks about the gospel of Yahshua Messiah, how that they, see, see, how that he died according to the scripture, see, and that he was buried and that he resurrected. See, showing that to be the gospel, when that's preached unto us, see, now that places us, see, into this holy place, if you will, where we now are being taught and learning. You see what I'm saying? We're coming into an understanding just as they were out here in this wilderness of Sinai. The wilderness was considered as a proving ground out there. You see what I'm saying? And then after a period of time, see, all of those Israelites, all of that, what was it? Uh, what did I, what did I say? 600,000, 300, 3,550 3, of men, see, that came up out of Egypt, see, see, those all died in that wilderness. When they got out there into the wilderness, see, they bastardized themselves, if you will, or they did not adhere to the law of Yahweh and built a a golden calf out there. You see what I'm saying? Worshiping items out there. And then when they had the certain ones to go over into that is into the Canaan land to spy out that land, then they see came back with a false report. And the time that they spent out there viewing that land or searching out that land of Canaan, I believe was like four days, if I'm not mistaken. And Yahweh said for 40. forever. 
40, how long was it again? 40 days. 40 days. And he says for as um, ever for a year for a day. So they had to stay out there in the chain in the wilderness, wondering for 40 years. You see what I'm saying? How that, that happened out there. And all of them that came up out of Egypt, all of the 600,000, 3,550, 3, I always get turned around to those numbers. All of them died. Their carcasses fell in the wilderness of Sinai, except for Caleb, Eleazar, Eleazar, and it was one other, Phineas, I think it was. They were the only ones. See, but what happened is that Yahweh had caused them to multiply greatly out there in the wilderness of Sinai. So it was the offspring, and it was the offspring that came to Mount Sinai that was numbered 144,000 at that mountain that Joshua had brought on out. And I'm talking about going into Canaan's land, see? Do you understand what I'm saying? But it wasn't. That was just a type that was out there. Because as he said in Revelation 7 and 9, that it was an innumerable company. See, when the Messiah came in, the story is so beautiful. And it takes more than a few minutes to tell the story. I know I'm rushing now. I hope, though, to say it with clarity for people to understand, for all of us to understand that what the Messiah did was paramount. It was beyond, see, uh, most fabulous, be beyond miraculous, beyond magnificent, because he came in fulfilling all things, see. And when he came in being the personification of the Holy Spirit himself, he had to come in and die be buried and resurrect or shed his blood, you know, that water, the spirit, see? You understand what I'm trying to say? He had, it was all talking about him. He was the lamb, as John said, behold the lamb of Israel. You see what I'm saying? He was that that came out. As the Israelites came out by the blood of the lamb, that, that's how they were saved. That's how we're saved, is by the blood of the lamb in us. So through an understanding of the Messiah, we are partaking or eating of him. As it talks about over in Revelation, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man shall hear, I, who I, Yahshua, see, will come in and sup with them, you see, and he with me. You understand? So we are partaking or eating of the Messiah. See, but now when the Messiah came in, the magnificent work he did, because he took upon his own self, the sin of the world. You see, see, as the Adam, as they died in Adam and that death passed upon all man, as by one man, death entered or death passed upon all man. By one man, Yahshua Messiah, he was the atonement for that death, see, or man was saved by him. Do you understand? This is a magnificent work. I mean, I love this story. Listening to the two previous, it was beautiful because there's nothing that they knew that they can claim for themselves. This is what Yahshua had placed in them. So when the Messiah comes in, see, die the death of an outcast dog, see, be buried in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights and resurrect, see, see, early, 
that morning, that on that early morning, see. And then he talked about, he came back and walked with his disciples because he had told them that he would come again to them. And he did, see. And then he ascended, see, into heaven, see. And when he descended into heaven, then he poured out his spirit. You see, upon all mankind. Now, when the Messiah died on that cross, they put up there on the cross, see, the, or, 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 that was the end, the end of everything physical. See, it was no way, never again, can you worship in him in physica, physicality, see. Couldn't do that no more. He abolished it. He ended all by fulfilling it. He came in doing all that the scriptures were written, fulfilled them, died, buried them things. See, they didn't resurrect. See, he resurrected anew. I'm talking about those carnal ordinances did not resurrect. See, they were dead and buried. The Messiah, he resurrected anew. And when he poured that spirit out on mankind, when we receive him, we have received him in our hearts anew. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Now, that innumerable company of angels, I want you to go over there and get me Hebrews 12 and 18, if you will, because this is where we are now. See, there was a then and there is a now. And this is where we're at now when we receive the Messiah. Please read that scripture, if you will. That's Hebrews 12 and 18. Hebrews, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Hebrews 12, I didn't have my mic on. Hebrews 12 and 18. For ye are not coming to the mount that might be touched. And See, that ye are not, I'm going to be interrupting you. See, this scripture is so beautiful. Ye are not coming to the mount by, that might not be touched. In some Bibles it said that might be touched. And what's it, it's both. Because he was talking about that physical mountain out there. You can touch something physical. But they were also told not to touch that mountain. Least they die with a, a dart to be cast through. So in this case, in the scripture, mm -hmm. this Bible she's reading, ye are coming to a mountain that might not be touched. Because they have been given that commandment not to touch it. Go ahead, read. And that burned with fire, nor unto blackness and darkness and tempest. And the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words which voice they that heard entreated that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. Mm -hmm. For they could not endure that which was commanded. And if so much as a beach, beast touched the mountain, it shall be stoned or thrust through with a spear. See and so terrible. Read. Continue. Mm. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. But ye are coming to Mount Zion. And ye are come. You already come. When the Messiah poured out his spirit on the day of Pentecost, I need you to go and get that for me to X. I think it is the second chapter. See mm -hmm. if you can get that and hold it. See, but he said, ye are come. Read. I'm sorry, but ye are coming to Mount Zion and, and unto the city of the living Elohim. See, you are but, come unto the city of the living Elohim. Right. I mean, I, I want you to stop right there. You got to go over and get Acts first real quick. Acts 2 and 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. 
And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And they were dwelling at Jerusalem, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. Now you see that. You can stop there. I mm -hmm. just wanted to read that. See, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Do you understand? That was the outpour of the Holy Spirit. I see your bell. When Yahshua Messiah ascended into heaven and he says, you wait until the power, until he, you receive the power on high. Right. That was going to come about on the day of Pentecost. That day of Pentecost is what now placed you right here where Hebrews is talking, see, ye are not come to the mountain that might not be touched. Go over now, I want you, I want you to show me the um, Moses chart, if you will. Mm -hmm. See, because see, there was a, we're talking about, see, Mount Sinai. You see what, see, we're over here, Canaan's land, uh, Canaan land. See, they were not talking about this physical mountain right here, but ye are coming to the mountain. I'm sorry to uh, interrupt you, Dr. Lewis, but go ahead and finish reading that in Hebrews because you got to understand where we are at. Mm -hmm. See, 22nd verse, but ye are coming to Mount Zion mm -hmm. and unto the city of the living Elohim. Now this city, Mount Zion, is the city of the living Elohim. Right. We're not talking about a dead God. As he, as a previous speaker talked about, that was illustrated over there with Baal and Elijah. You see what I'm saying? It's a call on your God from morning into night. See, we're not talking about an empty-handed God. We're talking about one where there is an effect. Mm -hmm. See, you see what I'm trying to say with power. He said, you are coming to the city of the living Elohim, not that you're coming to the city. Mm -hmm. During the, with the outpour of the Holy Spirit, this is where you have come to. You are come to, go ahead, read over there, Dr. Lewis again. The heavenly Jerusalem. The heavenly Jerusalem. They're still fighting, trying to fight over the physical Jerusalem. We don't give a crap about that physical place. But we're talking about the heavenly Jerusalem, read. And to an innumerable company of angels. And that was my point. See, he's saying over here, it's an innumerable both Jew and Gentile. It was 144 that was at the mountain, so crossing over with Joshua. You see what I'm saying? That came to that mountain, physical mountain. But he's talking about a heavenly thing. See, this that's Jew and Gentile. If Yahweh has placed that spirit in you, see, that was his promise. That's what placed you into the kingdom as we've been talking about. Mm -hmm. On the day of Pentecost, when that spirit is poured out, now that has placed you into the kingdom. Read. To the general assembly and, and for the, I'm sorry, to the general assembly and of the firstborn who mm -hmm. are written in heaven mm -hmm. and to Elohim, the judge of all, mm -hmm. and to the spirits of just men made perfect. Just and Joshua. And to Yahshua. Mm -hmm. You see the mediator. Go ahead. And to Yahshua, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. There you go. You see what I'm saying? To Yahshua the Messiah, that's where you come to, 
who is the mediator of the new covenant. Mm -hmm. See, we're not talking about the old one back there. See, we got to know where we're at. See, and this is where we have already come to. If you indeed have the spirit of Yahshua Messiah dwelling in your heart and dwelling in your mind. I want to thank you for the time. I see the time has expired. Thank you and all praises to Yahshua Messiah. Hallelujah. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. Thank you very much, Dr. Nelson. And thank you to all of our speakers today. We really did enjoy that. And Derek, put that on the shelf. Yeah, we'll definitely bring that out either in this class or another. We want to once again thank everyone for coming out to sup with us today on this beautiful day that Yahweh has allowed us to have. We do hold our classes here every Tuesday and Thursday uh, from eight, sorry, 6.30 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Zoom and on Sundays from 11.30 to 1.30 on Zoom. Our next in-person class, I believe, will be December the 4th, if I'm not mistaken at the um, Southfield right. Beach, okay, thank you, Beach Recreation Center. So that will be our next uh, in-person class, which is next Sunday. And we will have a song directly after the doxology is uh, presented. So please stay on if you wanna hear that and then fellowship after that. Thank you very much. And our class is supported by donations and we do appreciate your donations. May we all stand in our hearts and minds and give reverence to our Savior, Yahshua the Messiah, through the doxology. Now to him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise Elohim, our Savior, through Yahshua the Messiah, our sovereign, belong glory and majesty, dominion and power before all time now and forever. Let us all say hallelujah. Hallelujah.